Welcome to the Red Dawn of Mantis podcast, episode one. We last spoke to you 30 years ago in episode 418 of our original podcast, Dawn of Mantis. That was the year 2027, and it is now 2057. We come to you via a mobile podcast studio built inside a 2021 Winnebago RV parked by a river in North Carolina. To whomever this transmission reaches, we wish to tell you the incredible story of the chain of events that led to our 30-year absence and the amazing circumstances that helped in our survival. Because for those last 30 years, that has been the only thing on anyone's mind. Survival. It was the end of the summer of 2023. The hit song at the time was Twerkin' for a Livin' by Lil' Az Cheeks and the Titty Committee, who had also just been made the spokespeople for the Boys and Girls Club, and the hit movie at the box office was Star Wars Episode Negative 12.5, The Return of Who Gives a Shit at This Point. Out in the real world, a strange weather phenomenon that year hurled a massive wave of warm tropical air from South America upward all the way to the Canadian territories. While folks in the northern U.S. and Canada were having a blast sunbathing and swimming, nobody realized that the curious weather had also ushered in what would eventually become a global catastrophe. It just so happened that the South American jagger moth, an oddly named and highly active mosquito, had ridden the wave of warm air all the way into Canada, where it had mated with the incredibly potent Canadian maple sap mosquito. It turns out that the crossbreeding of these two species would create a new super mosquito. This hybrid bloodsucker had a voracious appetite and was quite annoying. Strangely, it did not spread diseases like most other mosquitoes do, so there was at least that. But after bitten, their victim would suffer a mild itching sensation that could last up to 15 seconds. Before long, people were spotting Northies, as they were soon called, from Fargo, North Dakota, all the way to Winnipeg, Manitoba. What's more, for some reason, the Northie mosquito quickly developed a resistance to virtually every chemical and pesticide known to man. This meant almost no one was safe from both the inconvenience of having to swat at the marauding bugs and the annoyance of the 15-long, mild-itching sensation resulting from their bite. With hundreds of Northies now pestering people across dozens of miles, government officials in both America and Canada predicted an impending global crisis. In a huge stroke of irony and good fortune, these same government officials also served on the board at Chemicor, a multi-billion dollar juggernaut corporation that manufactured pesticides. Very quickly, Chemicor held a press conference and announced that they had designed the perfect pesticide to solve the mosquito problem. In such a short amount of time as to almost be considered miraculous, they claimed to have designed a chemical named Zyclocone 119C that was absolutely harmless to all animal and plant life, but totally lethal to the dreaded Northy mosquito. Over the next few months, they held countless public and televised demonstrations to back up this claim. They ran tests on every species of insect, animal, and plant one could think of, and all suffered no ill effects. Hell, by the end of it, Chemicor CEO Nigel Nibblebottom and American President Ru Paul held a televised press conference in which they each took a shot glass full of the stuff and drank it. They claimed it to be as harmless as water, to all except the Northy mosquito, of course, which immediately perished at the slightest contact with Zyclocone 119C. After many tests, demonstrations, and a sales pitch Billy Mays would be envious of, 
the green light was given for the use of their miracle pesticide. This brings us to the year 2025. Ivan, Sam, and I were minding our own, doing what we do, researching and recording podcasts and spending time with our families. We even did an episode on the Northeast Mosquito Crisis, number 395, I believe. But then we kind of forgot about it, along with everyone else, after the massive spray operation that unleashed an estimated 300 trillion gallons of Zyclocone 119C around the globe. If that sounds a little excessive, both the American and Canadian governments, as well as the folks at Chemicor, felt that even though the Northeast had seemed to stay within a 60-mile radius of the Canadian border, the safest approach was to treat every square inch of the entire planet. Even one rogue mosquito could restart the entire crisis. Well, just as they said, every single Northeast mosquito on the planet was dead within about a year. Zyclocone was hailed as the miracle of the millennia, and Chemicor, who had become even more insanely rich than they already were, was called the greatest corporation and chemical innovator of our lifetimes. A plan was even in the works to reapply the pesticide annually just to be safe. And so everything was great, and everyone lived happily ever after, right? Well, of course not. You know better. So let's talk about what started to happen after the spring ended. A few months later, around the fall of 2026, people started to get sick. A lot of people, like almost everyone, some worse than others. Ivan, Sam, and I and our families, well, we also got it. But for us, it was really nothing much more serious than the flu. But for most others, it was horrific. I mean, people started dying, all of them. It was terrifying. Almost everyone we knew were dropping like flies. First, you'd have terrible stomach cramps, followed by hellacious gas that would have you farting the star-spangled banner. But unlike the song goes, the more you toot, the better you feel. In this case, the more you toot, the more you squeal. Along with the scorching blood farts came a bright red rash that covered your entire body and a strange thick mucus emanating from your ears. These symptoms would continue for about a week before finally, on that last terrible day, simultaneously, your eyes would collapse inside your sockets and your kidneys would blast forth from your anus with such force that anyone standing behind you would be lightly bruised. After this, the poor victim would drop dead. The grotesque phenomenon was quickly connected to the miracle pesticide that the planet had just been bathed in, Cyclocone 119C. Of course, Chemicor denied they were responsible till the bitter end. They claimed the billions of deaths that occurred immediately after the entire planet was bathed in their product was a coincidence. There was a massive class action lawsuit filed by millions of families of those who died from Cyclocone 119C exposure. But the high-powered attorneys hired by the megacorporation pointed out that not everyone had died. Therefore, there was cause for reasonable doubt. It was true. Not everyone had died. But by mid-2027, billions of people had. It was almost as deadly as CNN had portrayed the coronavirus pandemic to have been. Most folks were hunkered down in their homes waiting for the storm to pass. There weren't jobs to go to or many reasons to go out anyway by that point. Virtually no people were left. Every city looked like a ghost town. Every freeway was an empty reminder of how vacant the world had become. The most common sight were the countless bodies lying everywhere. It was the worst global catastrophe in human history. But soon a light was discovered in this terrible darkness. Someone noticed that the populations in certain places 
were not decreasing nearly as quickly as others, namely Scotland and Ireland. Other small pockets of Europe and certain places in the United States had not been quite as affected as the rest of the globe. By the year 2033, as survivors around the world started to congregate and gather together for a better chance of survival, a curious characteristic started to present itself. A huge portion of them, like 95 out of 100, had red hair. This seemed to explain the higher survival rates over in Scotland and Ireland, but why? Well, red hair is a recessive genetic trait caused by a series of mutations in the melanocortin-1 receptor, a gene located on chromosome 16. As a recessive trait, it must be inherited from both parents to cause the hair to become red. There was something in this gene that blocked whatever it was in cyclocone 119C from the bloodstream. We couldn't figure out exactly why, because like I said, most everyone was dead at this point, and I guess there weren't that many ginger scientists. Even though one must inherit this gene from both parents to get red hair, it seemed as though inheriting it from only one was enough to protect them from the chemical, although they did have flu-like symptoms. It was also discovered our spouses, regardless of hair pigmentation, had also survived due to the occasional lovemaking with their ginger partners. Yes, gingivitis is sexually transmitted. And also, I needed a way to write this story without killing off our families. Anyway... It took a few years to accomplish, but once some form of 20G internet was resumed and most of the survivors could communicate again, it was discovered that only about 3% or roughly 230 million of the world's 7 billion human beings were left alive. This would be like if everyone in every country on earth perished except those in Nigeria. A global wipeout of these proportions had not occurred since the extinction of the dinosaurs. Now, don't get me wrong. The sickness did claim some copper tops, but they all seemed to be older. Ron Howard, for example, passed away 30 minutes after his yard was sprayed with cyclocone 119C. Conan O'Brien fared a little better, but he too died after about a week. Other gingers who lost their lives were Danny Bonaducci, Kathy Griffin, and Brendan Gleason. Amazingly, Willie Nelson survived. In a related revelation, it was found that massive amounts of marijuana in one system also protected them from the deadly chemical. This is also how Snoop Dogg and Tommy Chong are thought to have survived. Oh, and in case you haven't heard, Willie Nelson is still alive. Yes, he's 124 years old. Studies are also being conducted as to whether or not ungodly levels of THC can make one immortal. I'm also pleased to report that Adele, Ed Sheeran, Amy Adams, Molly Ringwald, Julianne Moore, and Jessica Chastain all survived. Well, they survived their exposure to Zyclocone 119C, but some have since died. I mean, it is 2057. Julianne Moore would be nearly 100 years old if she was still alive. I heard she passed away in the Abe Lincoln suite of the White House back in 2044. Oh yeah, a new government was eventually set up, and since we didn't really have a viable way to hold elections, everyone agreed just to make Prince Harry president of the United States. Which, now that I think about it, was basically an election. But anyways, Harry didn't work out that well. He ended up quickly getting a little Henry VIII on everyone, who was also a gender, oddly enough and uh, Harry was forcibly removed from power after trying to pass a law to keep spraying Zyclocone 119C to keep the world's population, quote-unquote, pure. Now that I think about it, he went more Hitler than King Henry, but you know what I mean. So after that, we put Carrot Top in power, where he still resides. Sure, he's 92 and totally senile, but it's made for very interesting press conferences. 
At last year's State of the Union address, he pulled props from a chest and used them to convey the economic condition of the country. It really was a delight. Anyway, that's how Julianne Moore ended up croaking in the White House. She and Carrot Top hooked up after he was inaugurated, and uh, she was the first lady for a time. So that brings us to present day. It's been a wild ride. It was very disturbing to watch everyone around us perish, especially in such a brutal fashion. Major cities are now empty shells, reminders of once thriving metropolises that mankind won't see again for decades, if not longer. The streets of New York City, once full of really important people in suits, briskly walking to really important meetings in tall buildings, are now long corridors of trees and native grasses. The sounds of honking car horns and police sirens have been replaced by chirping birds and the howls of coyotes. The same thing can be seen in every city, for the few survivors who banded together left these concrete jungles to form new colonies that now dot the countryside. While several folks went to Hollywood to live in all those huge mansions in Beverly Hills that were now vacant. That's another thing. With the entire group of Hollywood elites vanishing so suddenly, it took us a while to get our bearings straight. We'd been so used to having them around to lecture us about social justice and to remind us of what causes we should care about, we didn't quite know what to do for a while. But as always, we survived. As for everyday life, we are now self-sufficient. We went from simple trips to the grocery store to having to learn how to grow vegetables, milk cows, churn butter, shoot and clean deer. And you know what? At the end of the day, it's pretty awesome. There's no money anymore. What use is that? Hell, inflation had nearly made money worthless even before the big spray. A can of soda was a hundred bucks and you'd be lucky to even find a beat up jalopy car for less than half a million. Now, if I want a mule, I can trade a goat and a dozen raspberries for it. And I think that's a good deal. With no money, there are no social classes anymore. Although Dale Johnson down the road wears a velvet bathrobe and smokes a pipe on his front porch and has an indoor latrine, but everybody knows he only has two milk goats and I have three milk goats, so you think your shit don't stink, Dale? Anyways, the guys and I stayed close together, headed east and stopped here in North Carolina. We've built a little community along the Catawba River. We each grow different things, trade livestock, and watch our grandkids play in the fields. After a while, we finally got comfortable enough to consider some recreational activity, and for us, that meant one thing, returning to the podcast. So starting this week, we're going to meet up here in this Winnebago to talk about things mysterious, things fantastic. There's not many people out there left to listen, but hell, nobody listened when there was seven billion of you. So thanks for sticking around for this little story. It's been a hell of a ride. We hope you join us as we embark on this second chapter of our podcast journey. I'll be back next week with Ivan and Sam. Good night, folks. <laughs>